Just listen as I read here, and it'll apply to what we're going to look at this morning. Nose and hand were sitting in the church talking. The morning service, led by ear and mouth, had just ended, and hand was telling nose that he and his family had decided to look for another church. Really? Nose responded to hand's news? Why? Well, I don't know, Han said, looking down. He was usually slower to speak than other members of the church body. I guess because the church doesn't have what Mrs. Hand and I are looking for. Well, well, what are you looking for? Nose asked. The tone in which he spoke the words were sympathetic. But even as he was speaking them, he knew that he would dismiss Han's answer. If the Hands couldn't see that Nose and the rest of the leadership were pointing in the right direction, then he could do without them. Han had to think before answering. He and Mrs. Han liked the pastor Mouth and his family, and the minister of music ear meant well. Well, I guess we're looking for a place where people are more like us, Han finally stammered. We tried spending time with legs, but we didn't connect with them. Next, we joined the small group for toes, but they didn't interest us either. Then we attended the Sunday school for all the facial features. Do you remember we came for several Sundays a couple months ago? It was great to have you, No said. Thank you, but everyone just wanted to talk and listen and smell and taste. It felt like, well, it felt like you never wanted to get to work, to get your hands dirty. Anyway, Mrs. Han and I were thinking about going to that new church over on East Side. We hear they do a lot of clapping and hand raising, which is closer to what we need right now. Hmm, Nose replied. I see what you mean. We'd hate to see you go, but I guess you have to do what's good for you. At that moment, Mrs. Hand, who had been caught up in another conversation, came to join her husband and Nose. Hand briefly explained what he and Nose had been talking about, after which Nose repeated his sadness at the prospect of losing the hands. Mrs. Hand nodded in agreement. She wanted to be polite, but truth be told, she wasn't sad to be leaving. Her husband had made just enough critical remarks over the years that her heart had begun to reflect his. No, he had never burst into an open tirade against the body. In fact, he usually apologized for being so negative, as he called it. But the little complaints that he let out here and there had an effect. Small groups were a little cliquish. The music wasn't their type. The teaching wasn't entirely to their liking. In the end, it was hard for them to put their fingers on it, but they finally decided that the church wasn't for them. In addition to all that, Mrs. Hand knew that their daughter, Pinky, was not comfortable in the youth group. Everyone was so different than her, she felt out of joint. Mrs. Hand then said something about how much she appreciated Nose and the leadership, but the conversation already run too long for Nose. He thanked Mrs. Hand for her encouragement, repeated that he was sorry to see them go, and turned and walked away. Who need the hands anyway? Apparently they didn't need him. Have you found yourself in the same position as Mr. and Mrs. Hand or even Nose? You're talking with someone who feels the same way as the hands, they... They say that their needs are not being met. How, how should you think of, about the church then? What are your needs exactly? Given the Bible's teaching regarding the church, are your issues and needs even legitimate? What are you looking for in a church? For that matter, what is a church? Can we answer that confidently? What has God designed the church to be, to look like, to, to feel like, and to act like? These are important questions, some that I can't answer all in 45 minutes in a sermon, but the time that I do have, I, I want to look at two things based from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. Two things I want you to learn and take away. First, the church was God's plan. That's the first thing, the church was God's plan. Second, the plan for the church is beautiful. The plan for the church is beautiful. So 
to see these things, we need to look at the words. So follow with me as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Does that but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Sometimes in the Christian life, we tend to think that it's an individual pursuit. But the New Testament shouts to us that this is a community pursuit. We will cut out our own legs if we continue to try to live the Christian life all alone. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you should be committed to a church. You shouldn't walk this path alone. The church was God's plan from the beginning, and it's a beautiful plan and we need to be careful and wise about distractions that can come and throw us off course. So I want to pray as we get started that God would give us wisdom and understanding of his word. And so I'll pray for you, you pray for me, and we'll get started. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can come and gather together to sit under the teaching of your word. And God, I ask that you would help your people that are seated here to help uh, them to receive your word to understand it and to apply it to their life. God, maybe we've come from different situations, different experiences, joys and pains alike, and coming to the discussion of church, we have different answers and what, what we want or need. And I pray that we would be able to lay those aside to see your word and apply it to those different situations. Give us wisdom and understanding. Give us grace, patience. Help us, God, to, to listen, not for other people, but to ourselves. And may you receive all the honor and glory for what you do in this place. For we ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. So first, the church was God's plan from the beginning. If you notice, as we read through, the, each member of the Trinity is mentioned here in this text. The first is Jesus Christ in verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. The, the body is Jesus Christ's body. 
And what is Jesus's role? Ephesians 4 talks about that, verses 15 and 16. So it's rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Jesus is the head of the body, and we as Christians are a member of this body, joined together by every joint, every part here on purpose. We are the limbs, the ligaments, the organs, the parts of the body held together, not by ourselves, but by Christ, growing together, submitting to the head, who is Jesus. And he's in charge, and we're connected to him. And we have this union with him, is what theologians call it. And, and as Christians, we're, we're disconnected to the former life, now connected to Christ. Left the old, now experiencing the new. And Jesus is the one who made this connection possible. Earlier in Ephesians 2, he talks about this. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. We now have peace with God. Jesus is our peace. He reconciled us with the Father. He satisfied the wrath of God towards our sin. Jesus rescued us. Aren't you thankful for that this morning, friends? Jesus, this is Jesus' work for us. But also here in this passage, we have the Holy Spirit. The church is baptized into one body through the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The spirit is the one who works on the sinner to give him new life, a new heart, new desires, and adopts him into the family of God. And the text says that it's the Holy Spirit that baptizes the believer into the family of God. And look to who it's pointed to. He says it's Jews and Greeks, slaves or free. It's anyone that God chooses. People from any social background. People from all sorts of different classes. People from every culture, every language, every type, every color. I mean, the body of Christ is beautiful. But look how the body should act, it says here. In unison, it's together as one. One body, we, we drink from one spirit. In fact, this passage repeats this theme. One body, one spirit, oneness is the plan of God. And, and the verse points backwards. This is for in, this, in one spirit we were. This is an artist, meaning it's, it's past tense. And this happens to every Christian. And it's sad that this would be a doctrine that would divide Christians for so many years. We, we don't pray and hope for the baptism of the spirit. It happens at salvation. The Spirit's baptism is to create unity in the body of Christ, to, to remove those dividing walls of, of, of ethnics and, and culture and class. Jesus saves the sinner, and the Holy Spirit baptizes the believers into the church. And, and, and third, God. God places them where he desires. Did you get that? Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And then verse 24, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God is the one who, who arranges the members of the body. He is the one that, that placed you here. He is the one that gave you to this church. The Father intentionally places you into the body to fulfill the work he predestined you to do even before you were born. God places every Christian carefully and lovingly in the body of Christ. 
And you see the sovereignty of God in this? We're exactly where God would have us. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work in unison, placing each member where they should be. And each member makes us the body of Christ, the church. If you want to see what God is doing in the, the world today, you have to look at the church. It doesn't mean that the other ministries aren't used there to glorify God, but they are there to support the church. If you, if you want to see the effect of the gospel going out into the world, you look for churches that are being planted and churches that are being strengthened. That's what God uses. So if Jesus is the one who saves sinners, the Holy Spirit is the one who indwells and baptizes those sinners in the body of Christ, then God is the one who places each member where they need to be. And if that's true, friends, the church isn't something you just throw away. We can't play church. And we can't get possessive about what we think the church should be to meet our needs. And, and, and we can't look at the church as optional. It's, it's not extra. It's not an add-on. And you may have a, a good uh, gospel-preaching para-organization that comes along churches that you love, whether it's BSF or a Christian school or Awana, and all good things, all things that are there, hopefully, to bring honor and glory to God, but they don't replace the church. They come alongside the church. The church is central to what the Lord is doing in this world. So don't discount the smallness of a local church in favor of the larger universal church. And I recognize that when you're saved, we're saved into the universal church, but that doesn't come into full view until we come to glory. For now, God works through the normal, through the ordinary local church. And we need to remember that being inside of the body of Christ as a Christian is the safest, most glorious place to be. That means the most dangerous place to be is outside of the body of Christ. And, and you may be here this morning as a visitor and realizing now that you're, you're not part of the body of Christ. You're not saved. And, and you may look around at us and think we're an odd bunch of people. I have truth for you. We are. Reformed, redeemed sinners. Now brothers and sisters in Jesus. There's people in this church that I have a great relationship with that I probably would have never met outside of church or connected to. Because of Jesus, we have that connection. And as Christians, we're safe and secure. For those of you who are outside of the body of Christ, you're in danger. God's wrath towards your sin cannot be satisfied by you. If you continue outside through unbelief, through, through not turning from your sin to believe and on Jesus as your Lord and Savior and rejecting the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who came to take away your sins and, and failing to embrace him and to believe on him and to trust him with your soul as your personal Savior, then God's wrath is still hanging over you. And those that are outside of the body of Christ walk and talk and work and live in the most dangerous place on earth. And friends, if this is you this morning, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you can come to Jesus as your Savior and Lord and recognize that he has been patient with you, incredibly gracious with you. And for the first time in your life, you can experience a joy that will not fade, a family that stretches farther than you can imagine and a peace that will overcome your soul. Friends, the church has always been the plan of God. It's my first point. Second, 
the plan for the church is beautiful. There are some dangers, though, living together as the body that we find here in the text. As humans, we sometimes don't know what to do with the uniqueness of other humans. God did not plan for us all to be the same. For some of us, that can be frustrating. As we continue through this passage, Paul gives us some dangers that we're we're facing this church, the Corinthian church. And friends, you need to remember things that we've heard and, and, and you read about this church, the church in Corinth. Church in Corinth had a lot of problems. And it amazes me when I see churches in America that say First Church of Corinth. Wouldn't name that church that way. You need to read the Bible, you know. I'm always shocked to see that. It's not one that I would say, let's call ourselves Corinth. It had tons of problems. They were saved. Spiritual life was given to them by God, but they struggled to love one another. And Paul had poured out so much of himself to this church. There are two letters in our Bible to the church in Corinth, but there's also a third that isn't there that came before this one. One that's not in the canon of Scripture. Another one more direct and even more um, confronting these, these people. These Christians were divided and they're selfish when it came to the church family. And even how it should function. The, the, the Lord's table was even marred. They would, they would fight with each other. They would sue one another. They would sleep around with each other. This was not a healthy church. These were not healthy Christians. In fact, when Paul asked Apollos to go there and preach, he refused. He, he didn't want to be exposed to what was going on in Corinth. But not only was their sin rampant, false teaching had seeped in its way into the church. Deceiving the members, destroying the work that Paul had done, minimizing all that God was doing. The church had, had issues, big issues. And here in the 12th chapter, Paul is trying to untangle their views of who the church is and why it's important. And the church is a beautiful thing, planned by God and for his glory. The church was a body built up and put together by God himself. And the goal for this section here is in verse 25, he says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. He desired that there wouldn't be any division in the body, that each one would have the same care for one another. There would be love and compassion for each other. This was his desire at the very beginning of the letter. Chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind, the same judgment. And, and God is most glorified in the church when the church gets along and seeks to build each other up. And Paul is going to unpack now this, this analogy of the body and apply it to the church in Corinth. And I, I believe there are some things that we can learn here this morning in this chapter. He begins in verse 14. He says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The, the body of Christ isn't just one person, even those that are most gifted for service. And we need to remind ourselves that life as a Christian is not complete on earth all by yourself. Who you are in Christ is complete, lacking nothing. But, but how you live as a Christian in this world needs to be with other Christians. You will not have a fulfilled ministry on earth if you believe you, you, you live by yourself on your own. And the body of Christ is more than just one person. But, but living together as the body of Christ comes with some dangers. Look at verse 15. 
He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. This is a danger here of inferiority. This, this happens in the body of Christ and begins to, to seep into the hearts of people if we're not careful. So that's the first danger. The second danger is in verse 21. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And this is the danger of superiority. So we have inferiority and superiority. And both groups were present in, in the church of Corinth, and I believe both groups still exist today in churches. In, in Corinth, they were thinking wrongly about their gifts, as you see earlier in chapter 12. They were given to them. But today, these dangers seep into our thoughts about race, about money, skill or talent, but Paul doesn't let it sit there and fester. No, he confronts it head on. He says, you're wrong. You're, he says, your conclusions are not true. To those that think you're not necessary, just because you think that doesn't make it true. You have wrong thinking, and the only way, uh, and, and that only that the more prominent members are the important ones. They're, they're thinking wrong about this. And, and those that think they don't need others, well, you're wrong too, he says. Verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Their thinking on these subjects is wrong. It's opposite to, to how God thinks. And so Paul moves to verse 17 to answer their foolish thinking again. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? And for those of you see here, if you're feeling unnecessary and possibly want to abandon the church because you don't feel important, you need to understand that that will destroy the body. It will hurt. What makes the body unified, what makes the body beautiful, is its diversity. Follow the analogy. If the whole body was an eye, how could we hear anything? What a miserable existence. We could see everything, but we could never act. We could, we could see everything, but, but without the sense of hearing, we couldn't be sure that what we saw was correct. Or, or if the, the body was just an ear, how much would we miss? I mean, think of the church as just one gigantic ear. Can you imagine all the earwax that would clog up that church? It's silly, right? God knew what he was doing. There has to be diversity. But the independent members need a warning too. Paul says in verse 22, others may seem weaker, but they aren't dispensable. What would the tongue be without the lungs? The eye may seem significant or insignificant, but what about all the tiny muscles that hold it in place? You see, in our, our pride, we begin to think that we are more important and more useful than others. He says in verse 23, and out of those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greatest, greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. The, the parts that are unpresentable, that's a euphemism for, for the private, the intimate parts. And what do we do with our intimate parts? We, we show their value and necessity and our dependence by covering and protecting them. It's the overexposure that minimizes the worth of our modest parts. So it is with the strong and the weak in the body of Christ. Every part, every member of the body of Christ is indispensable. Every part is needed. And the, 
the weaker parts receive more honor, not less. The stronger parts, the stronger members depend on others and they need them. And they're there to, to hold up the weaker, to protect them. And we need to preach this to ourselves. We need to remind this ourselves. Why? Because when we, we think too little or too much of ourselves in the body of Christ, we're actually slandering God. Did you catch that? Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If we act like we don't matter or others aren't that important, then we are saying that God doesn't know what he's doing. Remember, Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected to save sinners and make them a part of the body. And the Holy Spirit gives this new birth and baptizes them into the body. And the Father chooses them before the foundation of the world, all the parts, all the members, and he arranges them just as he desires. And so when we say we don't matter, no one will notice, no one cares, or, or that person doesn't matter, they aren't needed, then we're ultimately saying, God, you seriously messed up. We're saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. And you're questioning whether God can build his church. You're questioning whether God knows what he's doing when he places people in this church. You either think too much of yourself or too little. But ultimately, you're thinking wrong about God. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't leave a church and attend a new one. It just means you can't leave a church for these reasons. They're not valid. They're not supported in Scripture. And I'll touch more on this in the application. There are many different members in this church, all there, some drastically different in, in different and opposing ways, but, but here at the pleasure of God, for his glory and for the good of the body. And there are some members who serve here, they're up front, whether that is someone leading us in worship or praying or making announcements or preaching the word. And yet there's others, hundreds, doing things behind the scenes, that are never seen. Those that clean my office so that I can work without a mess. Those that clean this church and the chapel weekly, many hours, spending time on our campus to make sure it's ready for others to come on and, 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 and enjoy worship with one another. And I'm thankful for their work. You recognize there's a host of people right now watching my kids and your kids you don't see them. I praise the Lord for them. Heroes of mine. When was the last time you went to thank them for their unseen service for the body? And you would think, I don't have any kids back there. Yeah, but you need to thank them. Raising up the body. Maybe that would be your first job today when the service is done. Whether you have kids or not, go next door and just thank them for their service. Thank you for serving God in an unseen way. And, and not only them, there's so many more that serve the body. They don't do it to be recognized. Every week, I don't know if you know this, every week someone's in the back, usually Neil, that makes sure the mic is on. Hours spent here to serve. Every week there's someone here to, to prepare for the service. Musicians who lead us in worship. They don't just roll on up here and wing it. They prepare. 
think through the, how, how things fit and, and, and the songs we sing and the words that we sing. Unseen time and their gift to us as a church. And I'm always amazed, I was thinking this week of the gifts of different members in our church, and especially when we have a big event like VBS, because you just begin to see an outpouring of all sorts of people, and I think, wow, you're talented, and your time is amazing to me that you would give to us. Not only that, those are the hours they put in to come and to, to write and to plan and to dream and design VBS. I don't know if you knew this, but what was up here last week or two weeks ago for VBS was all done by a group of ladies. Everything, the design, we didn't buy that pre-made. Someone spent time to think through this. And they didn't do it to be recognized up front. They did it to serve God. And then yet, there's many others, tens, twenties, thirties of people that came to teach kids for hours and I'm sure went home to take naps, right? To serve. And they didn't do it for recognition. They just, part of the body, service to God. They're indispensable. Yet there's more. You see, the gifts that God gives to the members isn't just for the building up, what goes on in this building. God has gifted so many people in our church family with skills and talents that help the furtherance of the gospel outside of this place. I'm personally amazed at those with mechanic and carpentry skills. I have my personal mechanic that will work on my car and loves to do it because I don't know anything about my car. And that's a help, a service. People have painted my house. People have come here and done, uh, I can't name them all the work they've done to serve the church because they're skilled to do that. I don't know if you recognize this, but I, I was amazed during the whole upheaval in the women's bathroom. I'd come in and one day it looked one day and the next day it was completely different because of the work. And these guys are just incredibly talented. And I'd say, I wish I knew how to do that. That's how God gifted them and they used that. Not, not for recognition, Behind the scenes to serve the body. Done from a heart that desires to glorify God. And God places those people in the church. He places us in the, in the family of God. To use their talents to, to further the gospel. So we need to pause and take heed of the warnings in this passage that we read here. Not to begin to think that we're not needed or that we, we don't need someone else. And we need also to be careful not to think that our gift is the supreme one. God uses all for his glory. And we need to be reminded not everyone serves in the same way we do. Just because you're called and gifted in a certain way to help in ministry doesn't mean that everyone should join you in that ministry. God gifts us. He gives different people, different members for different tasks for the church. And we come back to verse 25. He says, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If we're one body, then we will find a way to love and care for one another. And one practical way is in verse 26. When one of us suffers, we all suffer. When, when one is honored, we're all rejoicing together. When when our physical bodies hurt, let's say our, we hurt our foot, it sends a message to the brain and then the rest of the body that, that it's hurt, it's, it's, it's suffering. And the body knows. That's how the body is designed. Some bodies don't have its capacity and it's hindered in some way, but that's not how God designed it. So if you're a member of this body and you're hurting, you need to share with the body. 
your suffering, you, you share with the body so we can hold you up, we can encourage you, we can pray for you. And some of you, uh, I recognize, are the lone ranger type. You choose to suffer alone. I, I get you, I do. I have that tendency too. But that's not from God. That's not his desire. And we're part of the body, we should act like a member. We can't close ourselves off from the rest of the body. That's not how God designed it. And can I be honest with you? Some days the sufferings of others in our body affects me deeply. Thursday is usually my day to sit down in my office and uh, concentrate to write a sermon. And we got a call from Lila Carlson's family saying she's going to pass any time. And I can't sit there and type. I have to, I need to go. You know, and she's dying. She's passing from this life to the next. And I've only known Lila for a few years. Some of you have known her for decades. But it hurts because She's part of the body. She's part of us. So when one suffers, we all suffer. And yet there's the other side. When one is honored or rejoices, we rejoice. And there's those that have had babies and waiting for babies to come. And I love that. I, I one of the privileges of a pastor is going to the hospital and seeing babies that are born. I love doing that. And when a member is experiencing that joy for what God is doing and blessing them, we feel that same joy because they're part of us. We, we rejoice with them. And so being a member of a church is both difficult and tremendous. And that can happen in the same week. From one side or the other, we suffer and we rejoice. That's what it's like to be a member. So how do we apply this message? There's three things I want to bring to your attention. There's a lot more, I'm sure, but three things I want to bring in front of you. First, membership in a local church is a biblical idea. It connects well to the body idea that Paul gives here. We don't borrow the term of membership from the Rotary Club or from Costco. It's a Christian idea. Its roots are in this passage, the truth that Jesus has a body and the Christians are, are members of it. That's, there's a theological basis for it. There's no such thing of a member of a body happily going about life without actually being connected to the body. And so membership isn't a metaphor or, or a spiritual reality. Remember that Paul is writing his epistle to actual local churches. Real Christians in real places with real worship services giving real praise to a real God going through real problems. And so membership has found its natural expression in a local church. And, and Paul calls this local congregation in Corinth the body of Christ. And what is he saying then? Is Paul saying you are the whole body of Christ and everyone else is outside of the body? Or could he be saying you, you are one body of Christ and there's yet another body of Christ in that other town and another body of Christ over here? No. There's only one body. And so what Paul is saying, you are a proper miniature representation of the body of Christ. You know, that's exciting to me. 
He's saying to them, and to us this morning, you, a local church, you can show the fullness of the body of Christ right here locally. And that's encouraging to me. This is what I've given my life to serve, the local church. And I get excited about this stuff, don't you? I'm the only one. You should get excited about this stuff. And so if you desire to be a healthy Christian, you should be a member of a local church. And when you join a local church, you're making a commitment to that body to pray for them, to, to give, to encourage them, to serve. And guess what? You receive the same. And there's more to say about this. I, I, I feel like I need to talk more about it, but I'm going to write an article and, and give it to the bulletin or send it out on the, the website. We have membership classes that are open to all of you to answer any questions you might have. So that's the first one. Uh, to be a member of the local church. Second, you need to think biblically before leaving a church. You need to think biblically before leaving a church. As I said earlier, leaving a church because you don't feel wanted uh, or inferior or not, they're not biblical reasons. You need to think clearly about this and, and perhaps involve an elder in the discussion. We're not afraid as, as, as an elder team of members leaving the church as long as the desire is to glorify God. We have gladly encouraged members that have left because they have moved and so they wanted to attend a church that was closer to home and closer to where they work so they can minister to the community where they live. And we encourage that. We hate to see them go because they've been a part of us, but they're doing it for ways to glorify God or those that have left because of a ministry opportunity or, or a job perhaps has taken them out of the area. But if you're thinking of leaving because you're just upset or you feel like you don't fit in, you need to press the pause button on those actions on leaving and allow another mature member or a leader, an elder, to sit down and talk things through. We're not going to lock the door on you. Okay, we're not going to lock and shut it saying you can never leave. We want to walk through this decision with you and, and walk you through what Scripture says and why you possibly might want to stay and serve. And, and sometimes members leave. We recognize this. And, and I want you to understand there are other good gospel-preaching churches in this area. We're not the only one. Praise the Lord. I hope that there'll be more. And maybe I need to start talking about that more and praying for them because there's some godly men leading godly churches in this area. We're not in competition. We're not going to win. How's that? This is it, all right? We're not looking for bigger and better. We're not looking for an empire in the hill. We're, we're thankful for what God has given us. So there's other churches that need to be planted and encouraged in this area. So we're not in competition with that. But if you're thinking of leaving, we want to walk through that decision with you. The third thing I want to highlight in the last of application, every member should show concern for the body. Now, what I mean here isn't that every member should know every other member intimately. In a church this size, it's really hard to know everyone, every other person intimately but we should get to know some people in the church. One of the reasons why we encourage care groups to get involved there, to get to know others. And remember, Paul says, the members may have the same care for one another. We should care for one another. Just as every member is different, every member should look to show care and concern for the body. It's not just the pastor or elder that should share concern for the members of the body. It's everyone's responsibility. And so if you see a prayer request come through the prayer chain and you don't know them as part of our church, Take it upon yourself to, to get to know them. Introduce yourself. At least find out who they are. We, we will never have a, a large enough group of, of pastors or elders to care for every single issue in the church body. And, and we won't always be fully equipped for different types of care that the church body needs. That is why God gave us so many members. The elder's task is to most definitely care and give 
shepherding those, but we're to equip the body to love and care for one another. So if you're suffering and one of the members comes to visit and encourage you, don't think that it isn't sufficient because an elder or a pastor didn't come. The church didn't fail you. The church came. And I once had a member years ago call the church office and requested the church come visit them while they were suffering. But I knew that many members had come and made visits and to serve them and encourage them. But hidden in their words was the fact that a pastor hadn't come and seen him. Sadly, they didn't realize that the church had faithfully been there in the midst of suffering. I don't know if this is news to you, but the pastor isn't the church. Lord willing, there'll be another pastor here someday. I'm not the church. We're the church. Pastors only serve the church. And so we must crucify our pride in either not wanting others to know we're suffering or thinking that our problems can only be addressed by the pastor or by by an elder. We must let the body be the body by each member showing equal concern for one another as the body of Christ. As a pastor, we're, we're, we're one member of the body, but we're not the body. As an elder, the same. And I'm so thankful for many of you that take this seriously. Those that show me on a weekly basis what this looks like what body life looks like. You, you go and you minister and you show love and concern for the family of God. And I'm thankful for you. Now, let me wrap things up here this morning. Let's return to the opening parable where Mr. and Mrs. Hand write for looking for another church because they felt like they didn't fit in, because they didn't like something particular about the service or ministry of the church. What about no's? Was he right to say, I guess we don't need them? I believe both were wrong according to the Bible. The body was built and put together by God. He is the author. Perhaps this morning you came in thinking like the hands or the nose. Is it possible that you've changed your mind since hearing the word this morning? I pray that you'll realize that God in his sovereignty placed you here and you are indispensable to everyone else in the body. It's God's design, it's, it's his plan, and we need to rejoice and be thankful for who God is and what he's done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the challenge of this passage to show love and concern and care for one another. God, if we're honest, We've all failed in this way in some way. Help us, God, to to not grow satisfied with that. Help us not to be content with just living in in a bubble on our own. Help us to show love and care and concern for one another. I pray for those that are here this morning that are outside of the body of And they've maybe been here for a while or maybe this is their first Sunday. And they recognize through the preaching of your word what your word says that they have not submitted their life to God. They've not turned from their former way and turned to you and I ask God that you would save them. That you would give them the faith to believe and to trust in you. I pray for those that have been a part of our body for some time and have not committed themselves to this church, that you would work in their lives, encourage them, help us to to love and care for them. God, I thank you for this body. 
I thank you for the work that you've done in this body for many years. And God, we ask that you would continue to use us. That you continue to use us to glorify you here in this area and throughout the world. And now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.